and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week we're talking about player counts. We've all seen a player count of two to four players, and these days, one to five is very common. But how real are these counts? Does a game designed for four players really work well at two? And is playing at five really worth it when the game is going to take so much longer to finish? Today, we'll look at what goes into deciding what those ranges should be, how games attempt to scale for player count, and we'll talk about a few games we've played recently where the player count had a significant effect on how the game played and our enjoyment of the game as a whole. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gift of Games and Grace Lake. Huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Um, happy Juneteenth for those who are listening in the past. Uh, this- <laughs> it's going to say... <laughs> <laughs> just just say it, just throw it out there. Uh, also, if you'd like to listen to us in the past, you can join us at tabletopgametalk.com slash live. See how I, what I did there? Kind of looped it all around. I think it worked out all right. Um, also, you can join our Discord and our... Juneteenth and Father's Day. Yeah, and Father's... Oh, yeah, it's Father's Day, too. Whew. It's, been a, it's been a busy weekend. We also had uh, Brick World, which is a Lego convention here in Chicago. So, yeah, this last uh, couple days has been event... Filled. And if you would like to join some virtual events, I'm a Segway master right now, you can join our board game arena group. Uh, so check us out. There's a link in the show notes for that. Our Discord. You can join us there too. All kinds of fun stuff. Um, how are you guys doing on this fine Juneteenth Father's Day Brick World weekend? I'm great. Thanks for asking. Eh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Fletcher. Uh, I'm doing well. Did you do anything for Father's Day, Chris? So we were supposed to do... And all right, this is going to sound um, bad, but I'm going to throw this out there. Everything At the end of the day, everything's fine. But um, my mother-in-law decided to plan brunch for Father's Day. I hate brunch. I hate brunch. I hate paying <laughs> for breakfast. I hate paying for things that I can just make at home. I hate it. It's always like way too crowded. It's... It's just eating dessert for breakfast. I just, I hate brunch. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, but the rest of my family loves brunch. So I'm like, okay, fine. I will grin and bear it. I will go to brunch. So we're all set to meet at the restaurant at 1030. And it's this fancy restaurant. Um, it's I think it's called like chocolate or something like that. So it's not only brunch that is going to be nothing but, you know, carbs and sugar. It's literally chocolate, chocolate <laughs> carbs and sugar for brunch. So... Miles asked if I like brunch. I'm like, brunch is okay, but usually no. Um, so we get all set to go. We're going to pile the kids into the car, which is another thing. You know, we have two small kids, three and one, and going to a restaurant is always chaos. It always sounds like a better idea than it ends up being. So at 10 o'clock, we get ready to pile them into the car. We're going to meet at the restaurant at 10.30. And Sydney gets a call from her mom. Hey, I'm having chest pains. I'm going to the hospital. So that was essentially... Ugh. Our Father's Day is Sydney went, took my mom and her, took her mom and dad to the hospital, ended up sitting in the hospital most of that day. I hung out with the kids. We went to the park. We did, it was fun. Actually, it was a great Father's Day because I got to, you know, basically just hang out with the kids and I the entire day. Um, and, and not go to brunch. And not go to brunch. <laughs> and I got to skip out on brunch as well. So all in all, um, but apparently we're rescheduling. So I still probably will have to do brunch. 
she's fine. Everything's fine. They kept her overnight and they're like, yeah, we don't see anything wrong. You know, it's probably like a muscle thing or something like that. So, um, but they kept her overnight to monitor. So like I said, everything worked out fine. I just find in retrospect, it was kind of funny. I got out of brunch and Father's Day, as opposed to having a break, was just me being a father all day long. But yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Like when you have nothing to, when you are with your kids and you just give up on the idea of doing anything else, it can be a lot of be a lot of fun to be with kids, right? Kids are a pain in the butt when you're trying to do something else and they don't want to let you. But if you're just like, okay, fine, whatever you guys want to do, that's what we're going to do. It turned out to be a lot of fun. So yeah, that was my father's day. How was yours, Fletcher? Well, I'm not uh, <laughs> a father of a, of a human child. I have a dog. <laughs> Eh, not know. quite the same um, mine was yeah <laughs> um mine was good so actually um uh carmen got me a card from marty which was the dog cute <laughs> it was like happy father's day and she bought me like a um like a nice like polo shirt um we ended up going on sunday to the farmer's market which is funny you hate brunch i hate the farmer's market <laughs> i hate going to the farmer's market especially with our dog to me the farmer's market is like rich white people shopping for groceries with their pets and it's just chaos. <laughs> that's that is actually pretty accurately describing all the farmer's markets i've ever seen yeah yeah and it, it's expensive produce and i'm sure it's great but i mean it's just it's really expensive now for those people everybody with their pets now those of our rural listeners <laughs> rural farmers markets are very very different than chicago city farmers markets yes they are trucking like this in food in, in yeah they're very <laughs> yeah. very 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 different so we have a farmer's market up here and it's actually not that bad you know i get like you know great pickles and things like that and actually the produce there is cheap because it's you know on farms that are 20 minutes away but in chicago they call them farmers markets it's really just exactly like what fletcher described fair. yeah 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 <laughs> it's a street yeah. fair that also happens to have some vegetables yeah. yeah yeah i mean the produce that we buy there is great and they have good bread and stuff like that and i always get this sandwich every time we go that's a really good sandwich but you know at the end of the day it's like we spend way too much money on way too little food and we have to wrangle the dog the whole time and it's super crowded. And I'm just like, I just want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I have to check out our farmer's market. I've heard really good things. All right. So Kitty, I saved it for last for you. What did you do for Spencer on Father's Day? I had his gift sent to the wrong house. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, I ordered him... A really beautiful art print on Etsy of like a poem that he really loves. And I was going to have the kids put handprints on the matting of the frame. I had it all planned out. And it was supposed to arrive on Thursday, which was cutting it a little close, but it was going to be okay. And I got the notification that it had been delivered. And I looked outside and there was nothing there. And I looked closer and realized it had just defaulted to my old address. And yeah, so I've had my mom try to retrieve it. Um, but she says that the new owners of my old house are never home when she knocks on their door, or at least they're pretending to not be home. I don't know. They're hoarding all my things. I am a terrible, I don't know previous homeowner i guess because i've had like three or four packages that got shipped there 
Yeah. And they're just keeping them all. And I can't blame them. And it wasn't like the art print was that expensive. So I can probably just order another one. It was just like I had to fess up and be like, hey, so um, yeah, here's a picture of what I meant to buy you. Yeah, it's it's just like, yep, that makes sense. (laughs) See you next month. But we spent a lovely day out in the garden and we ripped back a whole bunch of weeds. Spencer got to play with his fancy riding lawnmower. And yeah. It was a nice weekend. It was beautiful weather for our weekend up here. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, the weather was actually really, really nice. Um it's been like ninety or hundred degrees and then all of a sudden for the weekend it bumped down to like mid seventies. Yeah, beautiful. It was just like perfect. So uh yeah, Brick World Chicago was in town this weekend in Chicago. And that was like a Saturday, Sunday thing. So I took Zachary there on Saturday. That is just a giant lake. Well, I don't want to say giant because I'm used to like gaming. Can where is it in Chicago? Um, it's actually in Schaumburg. It's at the Schaumburg Convention Center. Mm-hmm. It's the same place that no. Adepticon is. Brickworld Schaumburg doesn't have the same ring to yeah. it. Um, it's the same place Adepticon was at. It's the same place that you know the very first Keyforge Vault tour was at. Um, so, but yeah, so I went there. We were there for a few hours. Um, it's almost like a traveling art museum of stuff. And then you can also find like rare Lego finds and things like that. But uh, we just looked at a bunch of stuff. I took pictures of all kinds of of stuff. It was very, 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 very cool. Um, And then I wanted to give an update on Hadrian's Wall, which is in still in the works. But the past few weeks has just been insane. I haven't had more than like a couple hours to like sit down and do something. I was actually hoping to get some time on Father's Day to be like, okay, I'm just going to disappear in the basement for like six hours and <laughs> you'll see me. This so that didn't work. Uh, but it is still, it's still in the works. I'm still, every once in a while, I get a couple hours here and there to work on it. I think, I don't know. We have people coming in this weekend, so this weekend's not going to work. But it is going to happen still. It's it's all in the process of of doing what it needs to do. Um, I should just rope Fletcher in and then Fletcher can start working on it too. But maybe Fletcher, you know, I have thought about like, yeah, trying to like help you, but I've been also so busy and I'm like in the midst of, you know, buying a house. Yeah. It's a tricky time um, of year, so I've been- right? Because it's that time of year where the yes. weather's starting to get nice and you start having plans all the time. So I don't have a ton of just, you know, uninterruptible three to four hour blocks, which is really what you need when you want to sit down and start getting something accomplished. Um, but it's not going anywhere. It's always open on my computer and I can like always flip over and like, oh, I'll type a few more lines of code here or there. But that's not how programming works. So we're getting there. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> not- I, I, forgot, I forgot to tell you, Chris, uh, actually earlier this month I got promoted <laughs> I'm now the iOS manager. <laughs> nice. And I'm sure you're like, yeah, I'm sure you're like sweating bullets. I, just like, I remember when this guy didn't know what end of the keyboard to use. I'm just, I'm just and like, he's managing a team of people. I'm just, I'm just, you know, the caliber of a developer underneath you has got to be just ridiculously terrible. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> also, congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. But yeah, I now spend almost zero time like, coding i'm just like solving problems for other people yeah that's that's management another friend of mine Mm -hmm. who used to complain about management to me all the time um recently got promoted to management and now it is so funny how he went from management so terrible blah 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 to i have to do this and this and this and this and this and i'm like now you understand why your manager doesn't know every single detail of your of your life 
because there's too many other things going on. Like if you don't bring it up to your manager, your manager has no reason to address it. Um, is the general just good life decisions in yes. general. Don't assume that your manager's being neglectful. They probably just have no idea and have a lot of other things that are pulling them in different directions. Also, some managers, many managers yes. are just really, really bad. Fletcher, don't be one of them. I'm trying not to be. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about player counts. When we talk about managing things with people, player counts. Um, Kitty, you actually brought <laughs> this topic up. And then I put like, a ton of notes here. I don't think we're going to get to half of these. But um, why don't you kind of elaborate on why you wanted to talk about this subject? All right. So... We started playing Viticulture, me, Chris, Sydney, and Spencer, real time on BGA, just the four of us. And it was really fun. We were having a good time. And I saw it pop up on the BGA thread in our Discord. So I joined that game. That was a six-player game. And after that, uh, you and me played a two-player game, just me and Chris against each other. And after I kicked your butt fast in that two-player game. <laughs> I lost terribly in the six-player game. And I feel like I do all right in the four-player games. I was like, it reminded me of that scene in The Princess Bride, which I sent along with this <laughs> yes. um, topic suggestion where, you know, the man in black beats Fezzik. And, you know, he says... You know, why is it easier for um, you to fight a whole bunch of people? He said, you use more, do you use different moves when you're fighting more people than when you have to worry about just one? So, yeah, I, I, I just wondered if maybe yeah. Chris was using different moves because he's used to being on the brute squad. So, all right. And I've noticed this a number of, I'm just going to say this right now. I was, we were talking before we started recording and I mentioned to Steve how I was going to passively, aggressively call him out with not by name, but, um, Oops. Um, <laughs> but oops, and there's a name. <laughs> and it's not just, it's, it's basically everyone. So when we create games, we post, usually post a, the link to the game we're creating in Discord so that anyone who's in the TGT group can join that game. And I have noticed that almost every single game that gets created for people to join, it's created at the maximum player count. Mm-hmm. And which is okay for some games. It is not okay for other games, especially when you're talking about turn-based games. Fletcher and I are in a Blood Rage game that started over Still? a month and a half ago. We Still? just now got into the third age. The same one. Yeah. We're literally drafting for the third age right now, which will take a week, week and a half by itself, just in doing that. And the thing with that game is it's it's fine at five players in person, but when you think about like when you're drafting... These are all micro decisions, right? In person, everyone takes them. It takes like a minute, maybe, for everyone to take their turn. In BGA, it could take a day or two for everyone to like draft their mm -hmm. one card. And then you got to do this seven more times. Um, there are other games. Uh, Sentry. I love Sentry Spice Road, Gollum Edition. Mm -hmm. And that game plays very, very fast when you're in person. But when you're playing turn-based... It can take forever because all the turns are very, very short, but you have to wait for literal days between your turns. And your turn could be literally, I pick up all my cards. And that's your turn. Mm -hmm. Come back five days later because you're playing a five-player game set to one per. 
Now, this is just, these are BGA issues, but the same issue applies when you're talking like in person too. I'd never played a two-player Viticulture game before. It's a completely yeah, different board. It was, it was weird. Yeah. It was weird to play. I had also never played a two-player Viticulture game. You lose those bonus spots and it's weird. And you don't realize how many different actions there are in the board because you can't double up your actions really in a two-player game. It was very interesting. You had and to I don't know how much of it had to do with like, I just got a really good hand dealt to me. <laughs> and so it felt super, I don't know, I felt great playing that two-player game. And I usually feel very confident playing the four-player games. Um, but in that six-player game, I don't know if it was just the time that it took or what it if it was the the board crowding or my anxiety about being the person who's holding everyone up on BGA, which is ridiculous. Again, something um, that can exist in real life as well. Yeah, but I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like being part of that. I mean, it's not that I didn't like being part of that explorer game. It was still fun. I'd still rather do that than a lot of other stuff. Like my dishes, but um, <laughs> yeah, I very much had a hard time getting around what was going on on the board. There every, and there were so many more of those decisions where it's like, okay, somebody played a card where I have to decide, am I going to give them points by taking an action? And it was a lot easier when it was just me and Chris, and I could see the benefits of those kinds of actions really immediately. Like, oh, if I do this, I give Chris this. Is it going to be better for me to have this than Chris that? Yes or no? Easy. But now I'm looking at, you know, okay, well, I decide this, but somebody else might not decide this. Like, the, the is everyone going to give someone three cards card? Yeah. It's well, just and turn order, so difficult. And turn order matters so much more when you're talking a oh, six-player yeah. versus two-player. You know, there's mm-hmm. just there's different considerations when you make. Now, Board Game Arena will have, it's a crowd, I want to say crowdfunded, but it's crowdsourced. Crowdsourced, uh, what's the best player range for certain games? And if you're ever wondering what the player count for a game should be, just go there. See what they say, <laughs> because it is almost never what's on the box. If you think Viticulture, for example, the difference between a two-player game and a three-player game is a 50% increase in players. And it sounds silly mm-hmm. to say it that way, but it really is like this huge increase. And it changes the board. It changes what, you know, by saying what spaces are available. It adds bonus spots in that didn't exist at two players. There's a lot of things that go into this. Um, Sydney and I played a two-player Great Western Trail after playing a three-player one. And we felt like the game, even though the number of turns per player was basically the same, it felt like the game played so much faster and like we had so little opportunity to do what we wanted because there wasn't a third person in there that could shake things up a little bit. It was always just, you know, head to head. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's not just the way the game plays, it's the way the people play the game, you know, that you get different styles of play in there, you know. Um, we've joked before, whenever I feel like I play a game with Sydney, she's always rushing towards the end. And you've done this to me in Viticulture a couple times where I'm like, oh, I just want to take a nice leisurely game. I'm going to stroll through this game. I want to explore. Like, I'm going to finally build a cottage or (laughs) 
the tasting, <laughs> what is it? I don't remember. All those things. I never the build those room. things. Tasting because room, yeah. I am always racing because I need to get my orders filled because Chris is going to end the game. And if Chris doesn't end the game, then Sydney's going to end it a turn after Chris would have. And I need to make sure I am ready for that to happen because I am prepared. And it's not just you know, Chris or Sydney, it's the more people you have, the more likely you are to have somebody like that in the game or that, that kind of thought process that the the different styles come in in different ways. Getty just pointed out that I said board game arena and not board game geek. When I said player counts, Um, both are true. Board game geek is where you should get your crowdsourced player counts, but board game arena tends to put those player counts, like the recommended player counts in there as well. Um, I go to Board Game Arena a lot more than I go to Board Game Geek these days. Just, just, just saying. <laughs> so, so I don't want to. That's where the games are. Yeah, exactly. That's where the games are. So I don't want to just make this a two-player versus multiplayer conversation. But I will say, in general, I think I prefer two-player games that are designed for two players or co-ops at two players. Games that are designed mm-hmm. for more than two players tend not to be fantastic at two player. Now there are a bunch of a bunch of exceptions, like a bunch of exceptions. But just because a game is great at 3 yeah. doesn't mean it's going to be good at 2. Mhm. So Fletcher, your experience, you've I mean you can talk to Blood Rage, you can talk to anything. I'm just curious, you don't play a lot of two player games, right? Cuz when you do get together, you get together with a group of people to play games. Is that so? Right. Uh Carmen and I typically yeah. Carmen and I don't play a lot of games together um i'm trying to change that it's been slow going because we've had like you said the weather is nicer so a lot of stuff that we're doing um but yeah i think i think you're right general generally that games that if you have a game that says like supports up to five players supports up to four players supports up to six players you know two to six that game that supports two to six the game for two is probably not as good as the game for you know three or four people um it's just and the game for not built really for it's like yes technically you can play with play this game with two people but it doesn't doesn't feel as good uh, you need more people to like make it better um i i find that the sweet spot for like those types of games is usually three or four people once you get five or six then it might be taking too long to you know come back around to your to act again but um yeah i would generally agree like like you said games made specifically for two people are gonna be good two-player games let's just look at like chess or checkers or stratego or like whatever all these games are made specifically for two people and they play well for two people yeah i would say for uh, the, the, the time aspect of it can't be underestimated as well we talked a couple episodes ago on final Fan- fantasy flight games living card games Marvel United is you know, one of the highest rated games on BoardGameGeek. It has a recommended player count of two, just straight up two. One is too swingy, three and four take way too long, and the game is not, it, it doesn't justify the amount of time it takes. It is a two-player game, a two-player co-op. Um, honestly, Arkham Horror, the card game, is the same way. I've played it at three players, we have fun at three players, but at three players, that game takes three and a half to four hours to play. I would much rather play two games in at two players of the same thing mm-hmm. than one 
of this just really long three-player game. And at four players, you really have to enjoy the people you're playing with, which hopefully you always are. But it's just like, we're not playing this to get through this game. We're playing this just to hang out for the next four and a half hours to play this but, game. But those are those are all co-op games. Yes. And co-op games tend to scale with, I don't want to say this because it's too generic, but those particular co-op games scale in time based on the number of players because their scaling mechanic is literally do the same thing, but now you just have to do it more because it's going to be multiplied by the number of players. Mm -hmm. Each player has to do the same number of steps. Right. Now, when you look at at something like Century Spice Road or uh, Blood Rage, which Blood Rage only plays to four by default. You have to get a fifth player expansion to play five. And I think five is the max on that one. Um, and so I'm Blood Rage is a territory control drafting. Th- you have three rounds. At the beginning of each round, you're going to ages. At the beginning of each age, you're going to draft cards. So you have this drafting mechanic that's going to happen. And that's all simultaneous, so that's not too bad. And then each time on your turn, you're going to make, you're going to choose an action on your turn. You could, you know, put troops on the board, you could attack, you could move. Um, there's a number of different things you can do on your turn. With Century Spice Road, it, this is a car, like a hand building game. We're going to draft, not, well, you're going to buy cards from a market and put it into your hand. And then you're going to play cards out of your hand. And then when you're out of cards or when you want to, you can put all your cards back in your hand. These games both play fine at three plus. Both have two-player options, and I would say at five, they break down. Um, Just in general, like, I'm not even talking board game arena where turns can take forever. It's just, at least with Sentry, there's almost no strategy. There's a lot of games like this where the board changes so much between your turn and the next time it's your turn when there's more players that you can't build a strategy, Mm -hmm. right? Because... It gets super yeah, frustrating. You're just yeah. You're you're watching something, you've built up to the thing, and then somebody does something that changes it and you're like, Oh well, I can do this thing to adjust. And then somebody else takes their turn and you're like, Oh, okay, well now I can do this. By the time it gets around to your turn again, it's like, Well, I have all these resources for three different cards that are no longer there and all of the marketplace things have changed. And sometimes it's for the better, sometimes like oh, well, now this card that I sort of wanted before has these resources with it so I can take it. But usually I just feel like, especially if you're playing on VGA, you get on there and I look, I'm like, well, I'm going to take 10 minutes to figure out what happened to the board while I was gone because I don't remember and I don't know what's happening. And if you're not following along move by move, it really is difficult to figure out what happened. And... I don't know. It's it's one of those games where there is nothing for you to do on someone else's turn. It's not like so viticulture. We talked about somebody plays a card. You get a chance to take one of these actions. Sometimes you have to be paying attention. You have to be present in the game. There's a lot going on on someone else's turn that might be able to affect you. Same with blood rage. There are cards that come up that somebody's going to take an action against you. Somebody might start a war with you or whatever the phrase is in that game. You have interaction in between turns uh wingspan does this where um somebody's wingspan does this kind of artificially where you have to pay attention because you might get triggered on your turn well something might get triggered 
that you are paying attention to for your turn. Somebody does an action, but somebody else's, um, some of the brown powers on cards, which is still one of the worst namings of a thing <laughs> ever. Because I tell someone, these are your brown powers, and they are just going to giggle for 10 minutes about that. Because like, seriously, we could have picked any other colors. These are your green abilities. Nobody thinks twice about that. But no, these are your brown powers, and everyone has to giggle for 10 minutes before we can move on with the rules. But anyway, there are there are actions that people take that might give, oh, everyone gets an egg because I do this and now I get two eggs or whatever it is. There, there are things that affect other players while you take your turn. It's engaging. And that one is also more limited in its player count. If you had seven people playing that game, that would be untenable. Nobody yeah. would pay attention until it was their turn again. You know, it, it, there's only so much attention span you have, regardless of how involved you are in the other players turns but something like century there is nothing like that there you are just watching other people take their turns until it is your turn again yeah and the longer that takes the more likely i am to just zone out and even something like blood rage like when you're drafting in a smaller player count you have a better chance of seeing your cards again that you may have passed on like understanding what's in the draft at a higher player count you might see that initial hand you drew one other time, but it's going to be drastically different. It's going to be five cards less or four cards less. And it's it's just a very... I also feel like in those large, especially for like territory control and war games, it is very easy for one or two players to get behind in a five-player game, and there's nothing they're going to be able to do to catch back up. Like It's just going to be an unfun experience for them for the entire game. So... So that's like, and we talked about strategy differences, time differences. I want to talk a little bit about people's tendency to want to max out player counts in games. And I don't know if I'm the, I'm not, I know I'm not the only one, but in general, (laughs) if I'm setting up a game and I want to feel like I'm playing it to its max, I literally am thinking max player count, right? Mm-hmm. Twilight Imperium, yeah. a full game of Twilight Imperium is six players. And like, yeah. and, and actually these days it's eight players if you really want to push it with the expansion. I feel like unless you're playing with the full player count, you're not really playing the game. When in all reality, <laughs> my best games of Twilight Imperium have been three player games. Like those are the best, that's the best player count in my mind for Twilight Imperium for a number of reasons. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, like, do you find that you guys have similar impulses of like player counts or like how do you, when no. you're setting up a game, what are you thinking as far as like how many players you need to play that game? Fletcher. Uh, so I think like, you know, if, if it says two to six and just like, yeah, four is probably a good number. Three or four is probably a good number. Like it can play up to six, but then is everybody having fun? Like you're playing at maximum <laughs> capacity. That's what I think. Like I want to be like, and minus two. Well, so, Kitty, you and I, back be- in the before times, we were hosting games at Game Hole Con. <laughs> and we would put, uh-huh. you know, we're going to teach this game and have people play. And we would always put the max player count as far as, you know, what we were going to teach for that game. And I never even really thought anything about it. I felt like, oh, yeah, you know, it's it's a slot. It's, it plays up to this many. So let's just have this many. At, at the time, it just felt like the right thing to do. But in retrospect, I'm like, maybe that wasn't the right thing to do, especially for people who are learning this game for the first time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know. I understand the impulse because, especially something like Twilight Imperium, you know, it takes so long to set it up. It takes so, it's so much effort to play. Even at three players, it plays for so long. And if you have people who want to play it, you have that many people, it makes sense. Like, oh, well, we'll just, everyone who wants to come play. Like, we've got room, we'll do it. And maybe it's the wrong impulse. Maybe, you know, you just, but like, your time is so limited. It's so hard because, you know, you have like two Saturdays you can dedicate six or more hours to playing this game for, you know, oh, like I've got two groups of three that want to play when the game can play up to six, you know, it's just, I, I get that. I understand that one. But like something where we're playing at GameholeCon where, you know, we're playing a pandemic game, it's taking an hour, maybe. Maybe it would have been a better experience for people if we had taught it at four players instead of six. I, I, I'm not even sure that pandemic no, plays that many. I well, think pandemic's pandemic only four, plays but like, four. But like we taught yeah. Terraforming Mars, right? And I think we played a five. We were teaching a five-player Terraforming Mars. And that game's already fairly long, but then you throw that in there. And we actually, when we were doing Root, which was the biggest mistake I've ever done is try to teach Root at a convention, <laughs> we were doing a full four-person player count, which means we were teaching four different games. Different factions. And yeah. the people Completely playing it different rules. had to understand not only their faction, but how the other three factions worked in order to have mm-hmm. any idea what was going on. And I think that... Yeah. Like I, I can't imagine making okay. We're gonna do. We're gonna teach you root, and it's maximum player count two. Maybe that's the right way to to learn it. Three is probably better, but it's still it feels like you're shortchanging yourself. It's like, well, it does play to four. It's just gonna take yeah. four hours to finish. I mean, and maybe that was part Chris, of the thing. Chris, what do you think? Go ahead, Fletcher. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say, like, Chris, what do you think? Like, when you play, you know, when you want to DM like D and D. Obviously, there's no maximum player count, but you're not like, I have about 10 people. So <laughs> that is a great, great question. It used to be. So I used to do a lot of organized play. And organized play tables are six. That's the maximum number that you can play in an organized play. I think it's the minimum is four. So it's like four, five, or six. And for organized play, we would do six-player tables all the time. And it just felt like, oh, you just, you know, one DM and six players, that's just the the number. Um, When we were playing at work, I think we went over six. And in one game, we were playing, like, we had 10 or 12 people, two DMs, right? Um, What? It was was crazy. It was crazy. But again, it was mostly just us hanging out, not actually playing the game. And someone was always playing. Like There was always game happening. How can you... How can you even be played? Like, yeah, somebody's not, you're not taking your turn for like 40 minutes at that point. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Even if somebody's taking a five minute turn at 12 people, why? Well, we we tried to make it so people weren't taking. So we were actually just talking about this with Jen and Sydney the other night. Um, we were playing Star Wars Outer Rim at three players because I think that that's sort of the minimum that makes that, that game seem fun. But they were taking five-minute turns. (laughs) And I was taking like 30-second turns because I had very little I could do. I I got behind from the very beginning. And I'm like, well, at the end of the game, I got a little bit salty. And I'm like, I had to wait 10 minutes between every one of my turns. And they're like, that's not that bad. It's like five minutes per person. I'm like, yes, but I was only taking a one-minute turn. So for every one minute I was playing, it was 10 minutes of watching somebody else play. And... Mm -hmm. 
And not even an entertain. And this is going to sound bad. Sorry, Sydney. Not even an entertaining. Sydney, <laughs> even- you didn't take entertaining turns. How could you? But how could like- you not narrate every single thing you were doing? Exactly. With joke commentary. That's how you're supposed but, to play games. And that's how. It- but I mean, it's no fault to anyone's else. But like when you're taking your turn and you're trying to figure out what you want to do and maximize it, most of that's going on in your head. So you're just watching mm-hmm. this thing happen without actually having any kind of commentary. And when you're already... Sounds a little bit like a photosynthesis. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And when you're already behind, <laughs> when you know you're already going to lose, watching these really long turns and these higher player counts can be excruciating. Now, with two play people, that was fine. They were in it. Like, there was a back and forth between them. I was just basically watching the game be played at that point. But that game plays up to, it definitely plays to four. It may, actually, it only plays to four. If I was in a four player game and I had to wait 15 minutes between each of my turns, I probably would have just been like, look, nothing I do is going to matter. So I'm just going to go over here and play this other game and call me when it's my call turn. Call me when it's my <laughs> turn. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what I get to do on BGA, right? It's like I get to play these other yeah. games as we're doing this. Um, And I will say, you know, we've talked about BGA games being a slog with more players, but, you know, you take your turn once a day. It's fine. You know, it's still better than not playing a game. Like I said, if my choices are to play a six-player viticulture game on BGA or to do my dishes, I know what I am going to do. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel safe saying that because Spencer does not listen to this podcast. (laughs) Next week's episode, maybe we'll actually, or or some coming soon, but maybe even next week, we will talk about BGA turn-based versus real-time and how Mm -hmm. that can affect the games that you play on there. Because I truly believe, anyone listening to this podcast, if you have not tried out Board Game Arena, just pause the podcast right now. You don't even have to come back. Just pause the podcast right now. Go create an account on <laughs> We've Board Game Arena. We've done our job. Yes. And just you try it You can sign in out. with Google. It's not that hard. Yeah. It's yeah. a completely free to play. It doesn't cost anything. And it is just a way of getting a lot more games played. Like, it's, it's really kind of a... If you're nervous about playing with strangers, go to our Discord. The link yeah. is in the show notes. Yep. There is a BGA channel, which is constantly posting new games at maximum player count. So at maximum player, be warned. But, <laughs> um, you know, just play a railroad ink or something yeah. easy where you can just take your time, play your puzzle all by yourself. It's really fun. I was so skeptical. I was very nervous. I don't know why I was nervous about trying that, but... We can save this for another time. Yeah. This is unrelated to today's topic. But it, it's but sort you of, should. it will give be it a, related. Give it a shot. Like it'll be a little bit related because player count, turn based versus real time, all these things really matter. And it actually mm-hmm. really emphasizes the player count differences in certain games and like really what downtime is. Because downtime in an in person game, like if you have very low downtime in an in person game because actions or turns are really quick, these are not great play by mail games, right? You take your turn and then you wait for everyone else. These are really bad play by turn, play by mail type of things. Um, man, that dates myself, but but if you have a game that has a lot, <laughs> to that, me that was just something that happened on Rugrats. Exactly. <laughs> if you have a game that takes a lot of time on your turn. And there's a lot of downtime. Those are perfect for, mm-hmm. you know, like a turn-based play-by, you know, forum, play-by-mail, play-by-whatever type of situation. All right. So I want to talk about a couple ways that um, games try to scale for player count. 
And we mentioned Viticulture. Um, this is a very common thing that worker placement games do, is as the player counts get smaller, different spots on the board will be covered up. So it tightens the board. Mm-hmm. Um, can you think of any other thing that like a, a worker placement game does to scale for player count? Also in Viticulture, there are bonus actions that open up as there are more player counts. So the spot doesn't just give you the one worker ability. It gives you a worker ability plus something else. Yeah, I would imagine that there's some out there, I can't think of any off the top of my head, which may reduce the number of workers. Um, Courtney just mentioned different number of workers depending on player count. Um, mm-hmm. And John backed that John up. was right behind her. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so all of these things allow you to feel that tighter like decisions matter because if you just play, you know, you have all the worker spots for a six player game and then you go to a two player game and all those spots are still open. There's no competition for action. There's no conflict at all. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Um, All right. So we talked about FFG's living card games. They scale player count by multiplying some goal by the number of players. And I tried to like, this seems just super common. Like everything does it. And then I started thinking, like, wait, no, the only time I've ever seen this is in FFG's games. Can you think of any other game that scales the game for player count by making the game making the game's goal intentionally take longer? And I'm asking our live no. audience as well to throw those out there. <laughs> I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything. And and it seems like it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense, right? If it's a two-player game to do this, it's a three a three players to do that. Now I think the reason why you don't see this as often is because you can really only do this in a cooperative game. Uh you can't it's kind of hard to say, okay, actually that would be a nightmare. Um in this competitive game, you know, at two players you need to get 20 points, but at three players you need to get 30 points. And then everyone's trying to do that. Now, what I will say is the opposite does happen. In a four-player game, your goal is to get to 20 points. But in a three-player game, you need to get to 17. And in a two-player game, you need to get to 12 or something like that. Where, did I say that right? Higher player counts need less points is what I was getting at. (laughs) So at four players, you need 12 points. At two players, you need 20 points. So you could potentially see something like that where, you know, whatever way direction it is, I think I've seen it in both directions, which is why in my head I'm crossing those streams. Uh, So that could happen. What about like um, skirmish games, like dudes on a map, Blood Rage, for example. Fletcher, do you know how Blood Rage scales for players? Have you played enough to to know what it does there? Mm, No. Mm -mm. So with Blood Rage, essentially, you are just removing territories from the game randomly at the beginning of the game. So I think there's uh, 12 territories on the outside of the board, one in the middle. Um, it might be 11. But if you're playing a full player count of five, none of those territories are removed at the beginning of the game. But as you reduce the players, you'll remove the different territories. Um, Mike just mentioned Small World is another one where the map size actually changes. You see this a lot. Yeah, a ton of games, the map size changes. And honestly, it's kind of the opposite with tile-laying games. When you're laying tiles, it doesn't have to scale that differently because it's all based on the number of tiles the players lay. So the more players are going to put down more tiles. So something like Carcassonne, essentially it's the opposite. Your map gets bigger as your player count gets bigger just because you are building the map as you go. And a lot of games are like that. Well, but in Carcassonne, you still end the same way, right? When you run out of tiles... 
Or, yeah. But do you start with a different number of tiles based on players, or you just like throw all the tiles? I think in there so. I think you remove a certain number of tiles per player count up until maybe not. Maybe it's just always as many as there are. Something removes tiles per how many players there are. It's like if you have you know two players take out ten tiles. If you have three players take out eight. If you have four take out six. But that doesn't make sense because at some point you get to taking out no tiles. Yeah. Um, Mike also pointed out Azul will change the number of um, basically coasters you put out on the board, right? So you're yes. choosing, you have <laughs> less starbursts to choose from. And so you don't need as many coasters to put your starbursts on. Is That was one of the mistakes I made when I was teaching the first time. Or no, it wasn't me. I taught it the right way. And then my mom and brother were playing on their own. And they just put out all the tile coasters because they didn't notice what I was up to when I was setting up the game. I just set it up correctly. Yep. So they were like, oh, my gosh, this is so easy without Kitty here. She must be making it terrible. And then they're like, oh, no, we just can't read. Yeah. And that's another thing, too. If you don't scale it correctly for player count, the game can feel drastically different. So different. Right. Yes. So you have to pay attention to that. Even if you do scale it, though, it can feel so different. Like we talked about with Viticulture. They do a lot of work to scale that game to, to six players. Six players, it feels like a completely different game than two players, both because of the way they scale it, but also because of the way it plays with more players. You know, there's just like the difference between having those bonus places, having the... like. Even if it feels like there's the same number of spaces, having less options open to you, it just feels very different, both because of the scaling and not. Yeah. Well, and one thing Viticulture doesn't do, even though there's a lot of cars in Viticulture, um, this is my segue to how card games tend to scale, is removing cards based on player count. Blood Rage does this as mm-hmm. well, right? You have a certain number of cards, but it's going to be a set number based on your player count. And as the player count goes up, you're going to add more cards in. The problem is, and I think this is another shortcoming of Blood Rage at higher player counts, is you start adding duplicates in of particular cards. So there's a card that exists one of, but at five plus players, you're going to include another version or another copy of that card. So if you get stuck with both of those cards as an upgrade, for example, it's like it's a dead card to you. Um, where mm-hmm. in a smaller game, it's more interesting because if you get that card, great. Um, so different things like that can happen. Seven Wonders is another one, right? Where it's going, like you literally just have a completely, like you're going to draft all these cards and you have to have the balance correct in order for those games to work correctly. So depending on your player count, you're going to include different sets of cards. And usually you get these added in. It's rare that you randomly remove certain cards. Or rarer, I think. Um, but that yeah, does happen as well. usually have some sort of mark that it's yeah. like, take out these specific ones. Yep. Um, but sometimes it is just like, okay, shuffle and then remove the top X cards based on player count. Good segue here to trick-taking games where that's often just how it goes is you take out a random number of cards like you are going to create a dummy hand or some other type of just take out a number of cards we don't know what's missing from the deck that's how the mechanic works is it's random so yeah and that's i think one of my least favorite ways to scale a game i unless it is something like fox in the forest which is a trick-taking game 
made only for two players. I will not play a trick-taking game at two players where I'm creating a dummy hand. I'm bending over backwards. Like if I have a choice between playing the crew at two players or Fox in the forest, I'm 100% going to choose Fox in the forest because it is designed to be best at that count. Whereas any of these trick-taking games that are two to some other player count, they all feel bad at two players. Well, yes, but you actually bring (laughs) up another way that scaling happens that I didn't think about, which is, you know, when you're dealing out cards, dealing out all the cards. So Mm -hmm. if you're playing in a three player game of the crew, you're still dealing out all the cards if you're playing a five-player game, you're still dealing out all the cards. You just each player has less cards in hand at that time. point, right? Yeah. So, and then mm-hmm. in those cases, it, each round there might be a, a card or two that gets dealt out depending on how things divide. Um, Fletcher, does Sushi Go Party do that as well, or is it removing cards, or do you just kind of take all the deal all the cards out? Um, I am trying to remember. I think it is you get less cards per person the more that people that play. Yeah. And that would make sense for like that type of drafting game. And then anything mm-hmm. left over, they can't do an even. Yeah. You just toss those to the side. And you don't know what they are. That's kind of part of the thing that keeps you guessing. Right. So we've talked a lot about two to X. And we could talk about party games. Um, I think that uh, Courtney mentions that Sushi Go also uses a two-player dummy player. And there's a couple of the dummy player mechanisms for going to two players, which people hate. Like, it just feels like if you talk about a dummy player, no, I won't do it. Um, Dune Imperium has a dummy player at two players, which I think plays 100% just completely fine. No problem at all. I'd rather play that game at two players than higher counts, um, typically. And th- so the dummy player is another way that, you know, scaling can happen. To me, it really depends on the maintenance of that dummy player. If it's flip a mm-hmm. card and do something... I have no problem with that. If it's flip a card and follow these this flow chart that's on this card, that's when I'm like, uh, no, I'd rather not do that. So party games. This kind of goes to the other side of the equation, right? You need you need a critical mass of party games to play. You're not playing Telestrations at three, right? No. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might be fun. I'd like to see it. Try. Yeah. <laughs> Telestrations is best when you have the same number of players as pages in the book. Like, you want to get the book full, but back to the part, like, then you want to pass it to the owner. Like, that's the right number of the players. I don't know. I just love that game <laughs> so much. But yeah, you, you like, three player Telestrations is not going to work. You know, you get. One drawing to guess off. Like, it just doesn't work. You need at least five players to play that yeah. game. And even that's kind of small. Like, mm. you know, there's a sweet spot where, like, the sweet spot is the number of pages in the book. But I think a lot of these party games, like Social Deduction, you know, Are You a Werewolf? Playing that at less than nine is not that much <laughs> oh fun. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it drives me crazy because <laughs> the when I was doing youth group, the kids would want to play that game. And I'd be like, we have four people it's going to be one round they're like yeah we don't care we're gonna do it i'm like okay (laughs) but you can't you can't do it you need yeah i would say eight people 
Yeah, it, it needs to be typically... I guess eight players plus a narrator. Yeah. I like an odd number because it works out better when you get to the end. But in any case, you need to have enough people there. But that one's another one, too, where you have a large number of people and then you have player elimination on top of that. Yeah. That creates its own its own issue as well. I don't know. If you're playing, but if it doesn't take too, too long, the people who are eliminated can stay engaged because it's fun to watch. They get to stay awake then and they start making like <gasps> noises and it's fun. And I know they're not supposed to, but as long as they're not being <laughs> spoiler about it, I don't mind. It gets fun. You know, It as long as it's moving fast enough, you don't want it to, you know, you, you want the the daytime to get cut off at some point. You can't just sit and chat for 20 minutes. We have to move on. I like I like it more on a timer, especially if you're doing it like the way I was doing it with youth group, you know, there's nothing else for them to move on to. You're we're all playing this game as you get eliminated, you know, we need to move on at some point so everyone can play again. Yeah. But if you're playing at a convention, you get eliminated, you can just walk away and do something else. Yep. That, yeah, it's not as irritating. <laughs> To be yep. stuck there just like, oh, well, now I'm at this party where I've been eliminated and they're taking nine hours per turn and I'm never going to get a chance to play again. Yes. Um, I do want to mention, I will, I was going to cover solo counts a little bit briefly, but I, I think we're going to skip that because that's its own. We've talked about that so much. Yeah. It's its own thing. We actually haven't talked about it in 164 episodes. Um, oh my gosh, was that an even older topic than card games? Yes. <laughs> it was episode 127 oh is the last time we talked about it. Um, but solo and scaling for solo is kind of its own thing. Uh, we'll probably talk about that in the near future because I'm going to be playing a lot of solo Marvel United. I can see that in my future. I just got my <laughs> X-Men pledge and I've been, I'm halfway, th- no, I'm not. I'm about a tenth of the way through sleeving all of the characters <laughs> and I had to stop to record. But um. I do want to cover briefly. Um, did I want to cover something else briefly? Nah, maybe not. Yeah, we're going to cover an aspect of this <laughs> very quickly. Um, and I'm going to throw this at you, Fletcher. So you have played Gloomhaven, and th- so th- th- these types of yes. games where, and this is Marvel Champions, um, Arkham Horror, the card game, Gloomhaven. Um, I'm going to say, oh, I know what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about something else. Um, but anyway, we're going to talk about that too. Playing those solo, but two-handed. Like, what is your take on that? Um, to me, that's kind of like bordering on uh, like a video game. Because it's like, I-, I think at some point it's like, yeah, this would be better as like a video game where everything will just, everything was just managed for me as opposed to a solo experience so you're just that adding all the f- i control all aspects yeah add all the fiddly yeah, of i'm the engine of a board game but without any of the interaction um i bring it up just briefly because yeah, exactly. it's another way that people can oh that designers will scale games right it's like oh yeah it can play at one but you know you should play two characters when you do it this is almost as hated as the dummy player but not quite as much uh but the mm-hmm. other player count I was talking I was thinking about was the simultaneous play. So when we play Railroad Inc. digitally mm-hmm. on, on on board game arena, we play this 12 players if we, you know, whenever we create a game, we play it at maximum player count. Because it has 
almost. And this is one of the best games to just max out player count. Yeah. On BGA. Because it has almost no effect on overall uh, gameplay time. Now, you are going as slow as the slowest player, but people start to feel pressured and being like, okay, even though it says one turn per day, if I'm not logging in three times and taking my turns, I'm being looked at because I'm the only person spinning here, right? <laughs> um, but if you are the last person to go, you get to take two turns in a row. So everyone else... I was going to say, you get to double take turns and then yeah. it doesn't feel as like, oh no, yeah. I've held everything up two times in a row now. Right. And that was the way it was getting with the six-player viticulture game was I would... every. You know, some days it was not the case, but occasionally I'd log in and like, you know, every 15 minutes I'd go on there and be like, oh, it's me again. Oh, it's me again. And I don't know what everyone else is doing. Are they taking these like 10 minute turns and like everyone's just sitting there at their computers? I don't know what it is, you know, whereas like Railroad Inc., I know what everyone is doing. It's it's a known quantity. I find that during the workday. Um, during the week, the workday is the fastest turns people take because I'm pretty sure that anyone who has an office job just has the BGA window open on the tab. Like, open. Is, is there's a tab <laughs> open where it's like, oh, it's my turn. So I'm switching to it. Um, but you can identify the people who do not work <laughs> office jobs exactly <laughs> by who's holding up the game, and yep. it's me. Yep. <laughs> but I will say that a 12 player Railroad Ink game in person would probably be pretty miserable. Um, it's actually hard for everyone to see the dice. You're like the pressure you feel from if you are the last person drawing and there's 11 other people staring at you saying, wait, aren't you done yet? Like there are certain games where, and we'll talk about this next week when we talk about BGA, but, um, (laughs) that are just better when you have 10 to 15 minutes of your own time to take your turn. And then you can have the player counts be really, really high. Um, I think Seven Wonders is another one that I really, really, really like to introduce to groups uh, because you can play the seven players, obviously. Maybe not obviously, but you can. And once you've taught the game, you can play with a new group of people who've played the game once. That game takes about 20 minutes because there's really zero downtime, right? You just pick a card, pass, pick a card, pass. And... It's one of those games where I'm like, I, I really like to have those types of games in my back pocket where we can play a real game, quote unquote, real game as opposed to a party game. And mm-hmm. and Seven Wonders is one of those games where it's like, it feels like a real game, even though it plays a decent number of players. And, you know, so don't play Werewolf, play Seven Wonders. And then start adding all the expansions in if you really want to complicate things. All right. Um... Yeah, I just, I don't know. I find this interesting. For the longest time, I never really played enough games at different player counts to notice the extreme differences. Yeah, because most of the time, you know, we're, we were playing in person and it was, you know, us. It was four or five people all the time. I Just three to five people. You, yeah, three to five, yeah. <laughs> it's either just the three of us or it's the three of us plus Sydney and Spencer. <laughs> Um, and, you know, three to five is where most games shine. There are some games that get slogged down starting after four, but, you know, it it just seemed normal. And now, yeah, playing yeah. these bigger games, playing these smaller games, getting the variety in there, it you do. You see how different it is when you're playing the same game, too. Because we would play, you know, a game one time and move on. But now that Chris has to... He plays the same games more than once. 
Yeah. We'll talk about the uh, current tournament results after the credits for our Railroad Inc. <laughs> tournament. Um, but yeah, so, but yeah, Kitty, thanks for suggesting this topic. Uh, either of you guys have anything to add to this? Fletcher, you've been quiet. Um, no, I'm actually looking at Railroad Inc. right now to see if it was my turn. It's not. <laughs> yet. I'm actually liking, I, I'm growing to like this game more and more. I, I'm understanding how it works now. It only takes a couple times where you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, okay. I kind of get it. Um, Kitty? Nope. I, I think, you know, there is something to it. Fezzik hit the nail on the head. You use different moves when you're worried about six people than when you only have to worry about one. Yep. And you consider different things. At low player counts, mm-hmm. you don't really need to worry about downtime all that much. At higher player counts, downtime matters a lot. And it's it's worth understanding the game you're playing, the platform you're playing on, and optimizing the player count to be the most fun for people involved in those situations. So... Next time someone starts a BGA game, just think, does this really need to be max player count? Or could we go maybe <laughs> three players? Um, and in person, the same thing. All right. Kitty, why don't you take us out? All right. I have to read things. <laughs> um, Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. You can be part of our live recording Monday nights, 8.30 Central, or join our Discord to talk to us all week long. Both links are in the show notes. You can email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. Or there's a link in the show notes, too. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Danita Hersey, Jim Conrad, Lightning Steve, Gary Bunker, Peter Fleming, Andrew Fayesh, John Williams, Sir Sully, Matthew Joke, Timothy, Paul Romer, Nicholas Lotz, Weatherman Keefe, Joe Punman, Leanne Verholst, Stephen Judd, Marina Stevens, Ben Gary, Sean Peck, Michael Yanikowski, Jeremy Fisher, Jason Marks, Christopher Dong, Terrence Miltner, Richard Yassi, Tolkien Fan Forever, Michael Finley, Stephen Falcon, David Radke, Brian Arnold, Courtney Falk, Ryan Ellett, Dan Seed, Darren McClellan, David Garner, Tony Simpkins, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, Agnes Toth, Ron Nelson, Aaron Moore, Don's Gilstrap, Glenn Cotter, Eric Salander, Adrian Dong, Eric Huffman, Jason Rodney, Justin Willard, Jerry Wong, and Sean P. Kelly. And thanks to anyone who's ever been a patron. Your support does mean the world to us, past, present, and future. (laughs) Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. All right, so... Our tournament group two is complete. Fletcher, you were in group two, right? I don't. I don't know. It, you're done playing, though. Correct. I mean, I'm. This is my third game. I'm oh, in. you're in. Oh, so you're in my. Are you in my group? You might be in my group. I played against you last time. Okay, so you're in my group. Turn. So group two has been complete, and we know the top six people. Group one mm-hmm. is still going. And so, Kitty, which group were you in? Are you still going? I was in two. And how did you no. place? Poorly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had a couple. I had like two games in a row that ended in like the whoops, all straight pieces ending that I was not prepared for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
somebody was in both those games i think it was like the same person who kicked my butt i don't remember anymore it's been it's been done for so long (laughs) yeah well i will i'm gonna call out the six people that are in group two that have made it to our finals now they still have to wait for group one before um so samness scored 26 points so the way that this works you had five games uh if you got first place you got six points second is five third is three fourth is one and then fifth and sixth got zero points so samness with 26 points which is almost i guess it's uh, perfect would be 30 points so Mm -hmm. that's pretty darn good um comes in first second is dittography with 25 then m and i i I should know mike's name it's mike um, Mike Nijin? <laughs> I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, with 24 points, AJ Fay for 23, uh, Geo Como 999 for 22, and K21 for 22. So, and then the next one down was 19. So there was no um, tiebreaker that had to happen there. Yeah, I was in multiple games with the top three players. <laughs> it's. It, it, and, and they just kept kicking my butt. <laughs> one of the things I hear. Um, and I've, I've had this conversation a lot with that railroad ink is a lot of luck, right? It's, it's if you get your dice at mm-hmm. the end. The thing is, if you hover on these players, you will see their first and second consistently every time. Oh, yeah. And oh, it's luck, but it's also skill. It's yeah. a, it's a good balance. It's a where, great, which is what I love about this and, game. Yeah. You know how it's like to poker. Yes, exactly. play the game in a way that you mitigate how much luck you need. Yeah. So Fletcher, what are you? So you said you've now been playing the game for you know you've played what you're on fifth or sixth game on BGA anyway um, total. Yeah. What is it that's like? But also the same expansion now several times. That's in a row. that's true. <laughs> but what is it that's bringing out like? Oh, I I can see the nuances of this game. I can see why people are liking this. So I mean, in the in the beginning, like the first games I was playing, I was like, I'm going to ignore the rivers. Like I don't understand how they work. And they just seem to screw everything up. So I'm, I'm going to ignore these things. <laughs> but obviously you score more points when you use the rivers. And I was, it's helped, like, you can watch what other people are doing and how they're scoring points. And then you become more familiar. I mean, obviously it shows you the pieces that you can possibly get. But you become more familiar in how you can use these pieces better when mm-hmm. you dealt them. And mitigation strategies so you're not just like ending everything into like a dead end that doesn't make any sense and there's no possible way that you can connect these two also for a really long time i wasn't using the specials um, the special like four pieces Mm -hmm. that you know you can get i was kind of ignoring those because um i wasn't sure like when to use them or like it, it every time like it seemed like I wanted to use one. It's like, yeah, but this one's just kind of dead end. So I'm just going to always have like a minus one here. I'm now like much more aggressive about picking them and using them in places where I feel like I'll be able to connect um, a bunch of things or it's like, Oh, I'll just spider this off in every way. Like, I don't care. Like this is a good spot to do this. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, you learn the best ways to do that. You also learn, I don't know. There's like, holding on to one till the end or, you know, I'm going to use this one at the very beginning because this gets me a lot of options. And then, you know, we're going to hold on to these ones till later and watching how other people play is really beneficial in this game. Yep. Yeah. Mike still says there's quite a bit of luck and I still going to disagree with you, Mike, but I think I'm going to spin it to say, 
yes, there is quite a bit of luck because you're rolling dice. You don't know what those numbers are. But the skill of the game is understanding how to mitigate that luck. Mm-hmm. And that's the skill. So it's like saying, it's like poker, right? We know that poker is a very skill-based game if you're good at it. But also, you can just draw a royal straight flush. Like, it's not going to happen yeah. that often. But you could win that way. Or you could be the best poker player ever and just draw, you know, all all the suits yeah just garbage so when i look at dittography and i and i look at his name he scored four of the five games he got first place and the fourth game he got a bad draw and got fourth place so or the fifth game he got fourth place so he had four first place finishes and one fourth place finish that is, yeah. there's that more was the to game that, that, right? Those oops, all stri- <laughs> straight pieces. I was in that game. It, that last roll was the worst. <laughs> yeah. So it was seriously like everyone had loose railroads everywhere. And it was like, how about all straight roads? Yeah. And we were all just like, what? Like, now we were like it was bad. <laughs> now if we look at Samness, like he had three first place finishes and then a second and a third place finish, and he scored ultimately more points at the end. But again, three first place finishes out of five games, looking mm-hmm. good there. Um, Mike, on the other hand, uh, which who's M M N, I literally don't know how to say your last name. Sorry, Mike. Um, he had all second place finishes, so he had three seconds, a first, and a third. So essentially, it was like. I'm just going to do a lot of seconds. But by being consistent, he was able to take that and get a third place score on all of this. So I I love this game. I don't know why I'm not completely tired of it. I do know that I feel more pressure in this tournament and playing this game than I ever have before. Um, currently, I'm sitting second on group one. But... Um, there's only two groups that have finished their fourth game. So that's an artificial second right now. Uh, Getty's sitting above me nice and you know comfortably three points ahead. He has 22. I have 19. Oak Cleaver's at 18. Uh, Last Cocoa Bean, also Courtney, um, is at 15. <laughs> KK Tan is at 14. And Singers is at 13. Um, and then we have 12s and 11s after that. So that's the top six right now in that first bracket. So anything can change. Like nobody, there might be a few people that are out on points, but most Everyone right now, with a few lucky swings here and there, could have the potential of jumping into the top six in in Group One. So we'll see where that goes. But um, yeah, I'm already looking. I don't at the even next know where game. I can look at the tournament results anymore. Um, fun fact: if you go to Play Now, and then where it says that you know the type of game you want to play, it typically says simple game. If you click on tournaments there, and then click on in progress tournaments. Um, that will show you the tournaments that you are in at the top of that list. And that's how I get into... I'm sorry, what? So <laughs> when you play click... Now. Play now. And then click on where it says simple games or simple arena games? or tournaments. Go to tournaments. And then you have the type of tournaments you want to look at. And you want to look at the in-progress ones. And your tournaments will bubble to the top. So this is why this is all post-credits because there's not a lot of people who care right now. <laughs> but on that note... But yeah, I am like definitely steadily improving because in the beginning I was like mid 20s or so at the end. Now I'm finishing probably low 50s ish, maybe mid 50s this game. Yeah, 50s, 60s. That's really for rivers. Those are going to be good scores. If you get into the 60s, you're probably in the first or second place there. So, all right, we can stop recording now. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 